Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to see you. And it looks like we are absolutely packed in here, which is fantastic. This is great. Um, um, yeah, you can clap for that, sure. Um, just just a little public service announcement that, um, that we do have three more services. And... Um, <laughs> This by far is the fullest one, so we're loving that you're here. This is great, and we understand that this is prime time church worship hour, but we have Saturday night at 5, and then we have a, an, an 8.30 service, and we have one right after this, 11.30, and those fill up as well, but you know, there's a little bit more elbow room in there, so just put that little plug in your ear, but happy new year. It's glad to see all of you starting off the year right by worshiping our Heavenly Father, being together with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Let me just encourage you, stick with this, okay? Stick with this. Maybe you're here today because you made a New Year's resolution that in 2020, I am going to be in church more. I am going to go to church. And if that's you and that's why you're here today, praise God. We're so glad that you're here. I believe with all my heart that dedications like that and commitment for godly things, God will bless. And I think that he'll bless you in a very tangible way because you made that commitment. So welcome. So glad you're here in fact, let me just talk to the entire New Life family for just a moment. Let me encourage you to let 2020 be a year that you are <coughs> more faithful, more consistent with your worship attendance and your involvement in the life of our church than you've ever been before. I'll, I'll share with you an interesting statistic that you may or may not know. But did you realize that the average Christian family in America attends church one to two times a month? That's the national average. So that, what that means is on some months, they might be here once. On other months, uh, the average one, they be here twice. Um, now, of course, I know that's not everyone. It's always funny when the pastor talks about church attendance to people who are attending church. I get that. I understand. But I know it's not everyone. But then again, maybe that has been you. Or maybe that is you right now, or more than what you'd care to admit. Uh, one to two times a month, though, that's become the norm for Christians in our country. Uh, but you know, it wasn't like that just a few years ago. In fact, it's been pretty well documented that church as a whole for the last couple decades has been declining in attendance, and that's been well documented. There's a lot of reasons for that. None of those I'll get into right now, but let me just encourage you to just be committed. I, I am not a fan of average. I don't know about you. I'm not a real big fan of, of average. I don't believe that New Life Christian Church is an average church family, do you? I don't. But uh, the church is made up of individuals, and each individual has to make up their minds. You have to make up your mind about what's going to be important to you. So my prayer, I'll come alongside of you and just pray that 2020 be like a year of like no other, that your faith in the Lord will soar this year to the next level, to the next level in commitment and obedience and faithfulness and generosity and all of those things. That's what I pray 2020 is for you. You know, one of the most prominent figures in the Bible is a man in the Old Testament uh, who goes by the name of Joshua. In fact, such a prominent person in the Old Testament that even one of the books of the Bible is named after him, the book of Joshua. And if you were to read the book of Joshua and you'd come to the end, you'd find yourself in chapter 24 of the book of Joshua. And there we find Joshua before all the people of Israel and he is reminding them of some very important things about what they have been through together. He reminds them that it was God who heard their cries in Egypt and
and that they were being tormented and enslaved in Egypt and God rescued them. He reminds them that God did this great thing for them by delivering them. And he'll also remind them that it was God who, when they were fleeing from Pharaoh's armies and they came to the, sea, the Red Sea, it was God who opened up the waters and they went through on dry ground. And when Pharaoh's army pursued them, the waters came crashing down and destroyed the army and they were free from that. He reminds them that it was God who gave them the promised land. It was God who went before them and conquered their enemies. It was God who, who uh, provided for their every need along that entire journey. And Joshua comes to this conclusion. After reminding them of all the things that God has done, he says this in Joshua 24, verse 14. It's going to be on the screen behind me. He says, now this is what we're going to do. We're going to fear the Lord and we're going to serve him with all faithfulness. So in Joshua's mind, there's only one response that the people of God can have in response to his deliverance. And that is this. We're going to fear the Lord. We're going to serve him with all faithfulness. And, you know, I think about that for us. You know, is, is our response to God's deliverance any different? Now, now, we have not been delivered from bondage, 400 years of bondage of Egypt. That's not our story. But we don't. Um, have an uncommon deliverance story, though. We have not been delivered from slavery in Egypt, but what have we have been delivered from? Through Jesus Christ, we have been delivered from slavery to sin. And, and so because of that same deliverance, shouldn't our response be the same? Lord, we will fear you, and we will serve you with all faithfulness. The, the call is the same. And then he says this to the same Israelites. He says in the very same verse, Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. It's, it's like Joshua saying, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get rid of all of the junk in our lives that is going to get in the way of being a person who fears God and serves him in all faithfulness. It's been well documented through the Old Testament that uh, the Israelites had a lot of junk that got in the way, didn't they? There was just a lot of junk that came between them and God. For them, it was idols. We read about it all over the pages of the Old Testament. Idols seemed to just get in the way. It, it kept them from fearing the Lord and, and serving Him in all faithfulness. And I think about us too. I believe that idols continues to be a problem for Christians today. Now, of course, we don't call them idols, do we? We don't, we don't call them, we don't, you know, we don't bow down to graven Im images, but... In a way, we do tend to bow down to things that get in the way of us fearing the Lord and serving him with all faithfulness. You know, that could be anything from, from, from the pursuit of money and the things that money can buy to, to pursuing that right job or that career or that perfect education or that great house or those perfect clothes or, or whatever, the great hobbies, the whatever it is. There are a number of things that tend to become junk, that gets in the way of us fearing the Lord and serving him with all faithfulness. I don't know about you, but I read Joshua chapter 24, verse 14, and it sounds a lot like a lot of our New Year's resolutions, doesn't it? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness in 2020, and you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get rid of all the junk. Doesn't that sound like a New Year's resolution? It does to me. And then the very next verse, Joshua offers what I would call like the ultimatum of ultimatums. Here, look at this. He says to all these people, hey, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, 
Then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. In other words, Joshua says, let's quit messing around here. Let's quit playing games. Let's stop pretending to be something that you're not. You're being a hypocrite. We're going to stop being a hypocrite. You're going to make a choice. If serving the Lord is, seems so undesirable to you, then get off the train. That's what Joshua is saying. That's if we're being very direct. That's what he's saying. He says, choose. Make a decision. Don't straddle the fence. Who are you with? Are you with the Lord or are you with the God of your ancestors that were beyond the river of Euphrates? What's it going to be? So if you follow through the logic of what Joshua is saying, he says, here's what we're going to do, people. We're going to fear the Lord, and we're going to serve him with all faithfulness. And to do that, we're going to get rid of all the junk that wants to get in the way, and we're going to make a decision. Whose team are you on? This is Joshua's little motivational speech. And then the last thing he says is like one of the greatest proclamations of faith you're going to read from anybody in the entire Bible. Joshua's saying, listen, you got to decide what you're going to do, but let me tell you what I'm going to do. And he says, as for me and my household, what's he say? We will serve the Lord. What are you going to do in 2020? What will define this next year of your life? If people were to pull back the curtain and get a glimpse of the true you, what are the characteristics? What are the qualities that they're going to see? What are the defining traits that are going to be you and are going to make up who you are and what you're all about going forward from this point in 2020? You know, in many ways, it's questions like these that are the guiding questions for this new series that we're starting today, that I'm so excited. I believe God's gonna do uh, wonderful things for us as a church as we spend some time focused on this next series. The, the series, I'm just calling it a one-word series, Aligned. Now, that's not an unfamiliar word. That's not an uncommon word. We use that word often in our regular language, aligned. What does aligned mean? Well, a simple definition of aligned is to put things in order. That's what aligned means. It also means to put things in their appropriate relative positions. So if something is aligned, it means that it is in the correct order and that things are in the positions where they are supposed to be. So they are lined up, they are in order, and they are where they're supposed to go. That's what that word aligned means. When Joshua was talking to the people of Israel, he's really talking about alignment. He made two declarations. Did you catch them? He says this, I am aligned with God, me. He said, as for me. It's almost like Joshua saying, forget about you. Let me tell you about me. I choose to align myself with God. As for me, this is what I'm gonna do. And the second declaration, he goes from me to we. And by we, he means those who are in my house, those who live under my roof, those who look to me as the leader of this family. As for me, I'm aligned with God. And as for we, we are going to be aligned with God. Is there more anywhere in Scripture of a to-the-point declaration of allegiance? Anywhere? As for me and as for my house... This is what we're going to do. We're going to be all about serving the Lord. 
Uh, Mary Kay is probably a name that many of you are familiar with. How many have heard of that name before, Mary Kay? Most of you ladies in here, if I had to guess, at some point in your life have been the recipient or a customer of a Mary Kay cosmetic. You know, you've tried it at least once, even if it was just a sample. Mary Kay is probably one of the most recognizable names in cosmetics anywhere in the world. The founder of Mary Kay Cosmetics is, to no surprise, a woman by the name of Mary Kay Ash, and she is considered, hands down, one of the best, one of the most influential entrepreneurial businesswomen to have ever lived. I mean, her influence on business is, is undeniable. She started Mary Kay Incorporated from scratch. She started it from her garage, which virtually nothing. And, and in the process, she broke all kinds of new ground in business. She inspired millions of women, still is inspiring millions of women, and she made a lot of money along the way. She passed away back in 2001, but Mary Kay continues to be a thriving company today. And I just read recently their annual sales top three and a half billion dollars. That is a lot of lipstick, my friends. That is a lot of lipstick. Mary Kay Ash, in 1984, she wrote her autobiography. And I haven't read the whole thing, but I've read this one part, and I love it. And I want you to hear what she says, especially about aligning herself with God. She says, over the years, I have found that everything seems to work out if you have your life in the proper perspective. God first, family second, career third. I truly believe the growth of Mary Kay Cosmetics has come about because the first thing we did was to take God as our partner. If we had not done that, I don't believe we would be where we are today. I found that when you just let go and place yourself in God's hands, everything in your life goes right. When you try to do everything alone and rely on yourself, you begin to make major errors. I believe I have found success because God has led us all the way. I can't tell you how many times we've needed something only to have it miraculously appear at our door. I feel that God has put his protective arm around us and guided us to the right path. Because of our philosophy, God first, family second, career third, we seem to attract spiritually strong people who agree that God and family should be preeminent in their lives. When you get to the bottom line, it doesn't matter how much money you've made, how big your house is, or how many cars you own, for on that day, when God calls you to accept your relationship with Jesus Christ, nothing else matters. Each of us will come to that day and we must ask ourselves whether or not our lives have been meaningful. I love that. Not only is that inspirational, but you know what else it is? It's the words of a woman who seems to have tried very hard to make sure that her life was aligned with God's, that the things in her life were in proper order in respect to God's will. What, what seems appropriate for us here at New Life as we look out onto a brand new year is to examine if we too are in proper alignment with God. Like with many things, we may think that we are, but we may not be as much as we think. And if we believe the words of Scripture, and I know many of you here today, as do I, believe all God's Word, 
then the only conclusion from that it would be this, that being out of alignment with God can certainly have some devastating consequences in this life, but most certainly in the one to come. You know, we've heard from Joshua. What did he say about alignment? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What did Mary Kay Ash say? God first, career second. Uh, our family second, and then the career's not second. Let me be clear. God first, family second, career third. And so now I turn this question to you. What about you? You've heard them. What about you? What does it mean to be aligned with God? Well, if aligned means that things are in the proper order and things are in their proper places, if that's what we're meaning by aligned, then what does it mean to be aligned with God? Well, if that's the definition, then aligned um, means it has to have something to do with God's position in your life. How does God stack up with everything else that you've got going on? If you have a pecking order of how things happen, where is God in that pecking order? If, if alignment means that everything in its right order, everything in its right place, then aligned with God has to do with the way that you see God and the way that you understand his priorities and the way you understand his will. Because his priorities, his will are what is of utmost importance. And, and I would say this simply, that if the things that are of utmost importance to God, if they are not of utmost importance to you, then we might just be out of alignment with our Heavenly Father. So alignment has everything to do with, with God's position in your life. It has everything to do with the way you see God, His will, and His priorities. Now, I didn't know Mary Kay asked personally. I know that's a shocker to everybody in here. We, we weren't friends. We didn't know each other. Ironically, uh, somebody at our Saturday night service, they used to work very close with Mary Kay, knew her personally. She said, everything you said about her is absolutely true. She was a wonderful, godly woman. But I didn't know her personally. I only know what she wrote, and I can only see the fruit of her actions. But if what she wrote in her autobiography is a proper reflection of her actual beliefs and actions, then biblically speaking, you could say that Mary Kay Ash, she was in alignment with God. She had God in the right spot. God first, that is absolutely correct. His priorities, his will seems to have also been of utmost importance to her. And so friends, let me just say, if God is number one in every aspect of your life, if his will, if his priorities are also your will, your priority, then there is great alignment there. But if God is not number one, if his will, his priorities are nowhere close to where your will and your priorities line up, then let me just say that you're probably out of alignment with God, and that is not a good place to be. Something the elders and I here at the church talk about often as well, the staff, is are we aligned with God? Are we walking in step with what God wants? It's like God's vision for our church is, that, is our vision too, and are we walking together? It's an important part of just being a church leader, but... New life is a lot like any church. Of course, we want to be in step with, with the Lord, but our church family, as I said a moment ago, is made up of individuals. And really, when you boil it down to it, when it comes down at the end of the day, alignment with God is an individual matter. It's about what you believe. It's about your walk with Jesus. On Judgment Day, that's all that's going to matter. 
your alignment with God. But you take a step back from that and you think about the church as a whole. How do you think the church lines up with God right now in America? As I think back, I look at Christianity in America today. How well do you think the church, Christian people, are aligned with God's priorities, God's will? Where do you think we stand? Well, if the average Christian family attends church one to two times per month, is it fair to say that perhaps for many Christians, something may be a little bit out of alignment with God? Is that a fair thing to say? If study after study confirms the same thing, that the majority of people in our country who claim to have a Christian friend, but they don't notice any distinction between that Christian friend and anybody else. In fact, I read one study recently that said 84% of those who said they, they knew a Christian friend, they did not see any difference in their life. 84%. That's, that's crazy. Most studies reveal about the same thing, but if that's true then could that be a clear indication that there is an alignment with God problem among many people who claim to be Christ followers? I think about um, nationally, the giving records of, 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 of Christians. On average, the average Christian gives less than 2% to things that have God's name on it. 2% to, to, uh, of tithes and offerings and 2% giving back less than that. That's actually a little bit generous, say 2%. Is it fair to at least propose the question that maybe we're not quite as aligned with God as we think we are? A survey done just a few months ago revealed that over 40% of, of people who are in church claim that they read their Bible at the very most one time per week. The majority of that 40%, though, they, they say that they hardly ever, barely ever read their Bible. And what's alarming about that is that here we have a, a survey, a national survey, where, you know, that if these statistics are true, they say that close to half of people who are in church rarely ever crack open the pages of God's Word. You know, the Bible says that the words are a light into our path. The Bible makes this claim about itself that these words are God-breathed. Jesus even said in John 5, 39, that all scriptures testify about him. So if these statistics are true, then many, many Christians are not tapping into, they are not harnessing the power of God's word. And could that be a sign that many Christians may just have an alignment challenge with God? I'm not much into New Year's resolutions. I've told you that before. I don't really make them that much, but here we are standing at the beginning of a new year. We're really standing at the front end of a new decade, 2020. Everything that we want to go right this year has already been declared. Whether you stated it in a New Year's resolution or you have internalized it, you have probably thought through, what do I want to ensure goes right this year? So let me ask the question. What do you want to go right this year? Jesus had something to say about this. 
This is actually some of his most famous words. They're found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. He talks about alignment with God. He says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Let me say that again. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Now, this is one verse out of a broader section of Scripture, and you've got to you know, step back and read the whole thing to understand why Jesus said what he said. He said that word, seek first his kingdom. He said that as a response to a sermon that he preached on living a life without worry. Can you imagine living your life worry-free? Or just before this, Jesus said, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, your body, your clothes, all those things. God already knows exactly what you need. That's the heart of the sermon. In fact, he even goes on and he says, you know, when you run after and chase after and you make that all about, you know, what you're pursuing, like what you're going to wear and where you're going to sleep and what you're going to eat, those things, he says, you're no different than people that don't follow the Lord. And Jesus like, here's the deal. God already knows what you need. God already knows you need food. God already knows you need shelter. God already knows you need clothes on your back. God already knows and God takes care of all these things. So here's what I'd rather you do. Seek first. Before any of those things, seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. And when you do that, the God who already knows what you need will provide. Do do you hear Jesus teaching on alignment? About things being in their proper order. Things being in their proper position spiritually. That's what Jesus is talking about. Now, when he says that, you know, his kingdom, his righteousness, that may not be readily understandable to us. It's not the way we normally talk today. But understand it like this. This is what Jesus means. He says, seek first his will, his priorities, his desires. That's what he means. Seek first these things, his will, his desires, his priorities. Seek them out first. And when he says seek them out, he's not necessarily meaning the first thing in the time you have, but really the first in importance. That, that's really what Jesus, the emphasis. What is of first importance for a follower of the Lord? There are so many things, you know this, that are competing and vying for our attention. There's so many things that want to be number one, not only of what Jesus talked about, how, what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, where we're going to live, our health, those things. But, um, but, but when we think and chase after, how well are we going to retire? How can I get that next job promotion? How can I get in that little better house? What I can get into these kind of hobbies? And what I want to do with these kind of things? What's going to happen with my children and my grandchildren? What's going on in politics around the world? What's happening around the world? Are we going to war? All these things that can tend to dominate our thinking and become top priorities. And Jesus is saying, listen, if those are what you're pursuing, there's something out of alignment because I'm telling you that there's something that you seek first in your life of first importance. It's my will, my desires, my priorities. Those are what's of first importance. And if our best effort, if our first of importance is directed towards God's kingdom and not our personal needs and not anything else, but we're seeking out the will of God, then there's this promise in Scripture that the Lord will take care of all these other things. We're talking about alignment, things being in order. And when things are properly aligned, God promises to take care of all those things that He already knows that we need. 
Now, nowhere in the Bible does God promise that he'll park a Lamborghini in your driveway. Or that 37-room mansion, I, I don't read that anywhere. But God says, seek me first and watch me do what I said I'm going to do. I will take care of you. I will take care of you. You know, everything in Scripture about this subject leads me to this singular conclusion. That in your life, if God is in the right place, everything else will be too. Let me say that again. And in your life, if God is in the right place, everything else will be too. Let me challenge you to not miss any of the messages in this series. I believe that God wants to reveal some very important truths to you about what it means to seek him first and to be properly aligned in your life today with, with God more than anything, I'm more than anything. And if you, if you missed everything else in this sermon, I hope you walk out of this with this ringing in your ears. The Lord wants you to seek me. Seek me. Seek me. That's what he wants. Seek after him. That he be the first priority, first of importance in everything. Joshua said it like this. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Mary Kay Ash said it like this, God first, family second, career third. How do you say it? What's going to be the defining characteristic from this point forward in your life? I pray that it's a seek first, his will, his desires, his priorities, mentality. That there's a commitment that I am going to be aligned with God. And when I'm aligned with God, Everything else will fall into place. 